Welcome to the Mother Forkin' Podcast. Mother Podcast. Where we feed you some real shit on parenting. Hi, Celeste. Hey, Megan. How are you? Good, good. As it's, good as we can be. Right? It's been a minute. Hot, hot Right? Minute. When's the last time we recorded? I think July or June? I don't know. July? When life wasn't... No, we did talk about the pandemic. Yeah, we did. We talked about, oh, Black Lives Matter, I think, was our oh, last. Sure. No, we had, oh, let's, we got to check. I'm Now I'm confusing myself. So, yeah, la- the last one was Girlfriend Mom in July. That's right. July 15th was our last episode, episode 53. However, we are back with episode 54. And today we're talking with author... Rhea Fry and she's yes. friggin' awesome. It's it's actually a little insight behind the scenes of recording with podcasts. So we actually already recorded the episode and now we're coming back with the, the intro. So kind of what are we doing? Inception Is it foreshadow? Shit. No. For what do you do before foreshadow? Um, like before it's like a prequel? I don't know. Anyway, it's yeah. we're doing something after shadowing. Prequel after shadowing. Yeah, <laughs> no, something like know. that. You're asking the wrong person. Right. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but we did. We wanted to record a pre like an introduction because we haven't done one for quite a while. A quick update on our lives and what the F is going on. Yes. So um just like everyone else, we're doing our best to hang in and, and deal with everything that's happening in our lives and all around us. So um, as far as I go, you know, just with the two kids, staying as sane as I can. Um, I know Megan has more of her hands full, so I'll let you. Uh, Well, our family, we're moving from Houston to Tulsa. I know. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Cue the sad music. Yeah. Um, We really should play sad music so make sure you remember that okay on the editing part of this uh no but we it's you know my husband had lost his job in august and it was like whoa and i i mean of course you know going through the emotions for him and i think it was a lot harder on him but i was just like it's gonna be fine we're fine everything's fine (laughs) meanwhile the whole world's burning like literally everyone's the coast the west coast but yeah, no, everything's fine. Um, he ended up getting another job still with the same company, but then it was like, it's the offer or the opportunity is in Tulsa. And we're like, well, let's do it. I mean, we've, we haven't been the biggest Houston fans, so we're excited to get out, to go to a smaller city. Leave Less, us then. You're not welcome. Right? Less traffic, fewer people. So we went up there very quickly. It was like a day and what we saw of the city, what we saw of the people, Everyone seems super friendly, so I'm excited. They have a really cool bookstore up there called Magic City Books, of course. Yeah, so really pumped about that. But um, well, we're yeah. very sad, and you know we're gonna miss you guys deeply and miss our random hangouts. But that's not the end. No, um, we're we gonna be continue meeting up. Yeah, yeah, we'll stay in touch. And in the meantime, as well, between the craziness we've also uh, been reading more books mm-hmm. i know i have mm-hmm. so this has just been an awesome opportunity to talk to authors who are moms and who yeah. can share some of their experiences and insights so. yeah yeah it's been awesome um we we will probably be taking i know we have another episode coming up that we're going to be recording for in a week or two mm-hmm. but then after i think we might do a little bit of a break just because i mean the move is going to be a lot yeah. getting settled in up there and everything so but this isn't 
you know, a permanent break. We will be back, but we just need to have life sort of settled down for us for a little bit. Get a grip. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, of course, you know, we're still on social media, probably not as active as we probably should be, but at least we have, you know, our personal. Yeah. And those of you who have reached out, we are still here. You know, thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Mm -hmm. We love hearing from you and we do miss you guys as well. So we hope you enjoy these last two or three before we break. Yeah. Um, but you can always feel free to email us. Um, so motherforkingpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, or like motherforkingpodcast on Instagram. <laughs> Pretty much just Google motherforkingpodcast and you'll we'll be there. Yeah. But uh, thanks again for, you know, hanging out with those guys. And so we're excited for today's episode and hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy. Laugh along with us. Yes. Rhea Fry is the multi-published, award-winning, best-selling author of three suspense novels and four nonfiction books. She's been featured in Us Weekly, Entertainment Weekly, Pop Sugar, Marie Claire, Parade, Shape, Writer's Digest, Fox News, and much more. Uh, She also recently founded and scaled her six-figure business, Right Way, where aspiring writers become published authors. On her weekly Right Way podcast, she cuts through all the bullshit of the publishing industry and gives writers the exact information they need to make informed decisions about their careers. That sounds pretty legit. Uh, When she's not busy running a business, meeting book deadlines, or homeschooling her daughter you can find her alternating between meditating which we know is so important exercising again very important and trying not to lose her mind in the process we totally get that today we're so excited to have Rhea shine a light on the bond between mothers and their children in her new book until i find you which i (laughs) friggin loved reading is such a great book it was published by saint martin's griffin on august 11th of this year the tenth story follows rebecca gray or beck a single mother who's losing her eyesight and her journey to finding her son crazy such a great book yes so ria welcome thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me that's my son in the background hey, laughing. Total real life, right? <laughs> that was perfect uh, introduction. Yeah. I um, expect my daughter to come just bursting in my door. I've told her, unless you're on fire, don't walk in. She <laughs> will. It'll it'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the new norm for 2020. Yeah. And how old's your daughter? She is eight. Nice. Eight. And as I say, eight is not great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that all these ages have little, right? You know, yeah. lines to go with them. Yeah, that's awesome. And you homeschool her. That's uh, that's uh, crazy. super impressive. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, it's it's a very loose <laughs> term at this point. Like, we actually started um, homeschooling about a year before quarantine hit, and uh, okay, it was it was kind of like an unschooling process. I had to unlearn all of my fixed mindset bullshit with mm-hmm. school and how it needs to look and. So it's a real learning process. But then when this pandemic hit, we were, I felt like we were much more prepared going into it, but Mm -hmm. it's still been such a struggle just emotionally because she's such a social child and she goes to a hybrid school as well called Acton Academy, which is for homeschool kids three days a week. It's amazing. Like every kid goes on a hero's journey and learns to fail and struggle. And every time I go, I'm like, can I go? Like, can am I allowed to attend this? This is amazing. It's all based on the growth mindset. And 
they recently started going back, thank God. Um, (laughs) uh, But having her in the house, you know, day after day after day, and then not seeing her friends or kids and trying to explain it, I think as parents, we're so used to just placating our children or trying to get them out of um, an upset state. And I think it's been really good for her to, you know what, be sad. It is sad. Like this is Mm -hmm. sad for everyone. So it's been a good time to process emotions. Um, I've been mommy dearest probably 99% of the time (laughs) I feel like, but uh, it's been a learning process for all of us. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And, but that actually sounds amazing. Although I could never do homeschooling. Oh oh my God. Well, so everyone says that. And I say that too. I'm a full-time working mother. I mean, I've often been the person who's worked two to three jobs and I always said that like, Oh man, I love the idea of it, but I could never do it. And I think it's because I thought of homeschool is recreating school, having my child sitting, you know, me teaching them, hovering over her for like six hours a day. And it is so far from that. I mean, kids are learning all the time. Like when they're toddlers, we don't teach them to walk and talk and stand up and all of those things. And it's, it's the same thing as, as they get older. And we've just kind of, we look at the subset of, of curriculum and, and what we measure and memorize and test and think that that is school and that's learning. And it, it goes so far beyond that. And again, she's taught me more during this time than, than I've taught her for sure. Uh, but it's, it's just fascinating. And it's, you find your own rhythm, like every homeschool household looks totally different. I've actually heard yeah. a lot about that, that uh, homeschool moms, uh, it's, it's more like personal for their kids and like, you know, they get to do more things like you were saying that they do in the, and you know, out there in the real world. So I think that that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess I never thought of it about that approach. Cause you're right. I, I do think of it as, oh gosh, okay. It's literally taking the classroom, classroom, yeah. bringing it home and recreating that. And I'm like, ah, hell no, I couldn't do it. No. Oh God. Like she- that sounds better. she she grew up in like a Montessori um environment which was great but then she went to a public Montessori and they started like if if they were to chastise the child for some reason or a child gets in trouble they started taking away their only 30 minute recess during the day at the time she was like six and I was like whoa 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 like they should be playing right now that's that's the Mm -hmm. thing they should be doing they should be outside So she was the one that was like, I want to homeschool. I want to try this. And once we did, I mean, she went, I went on book tour like that first summer she was with me. She went to 16 states with me in one summer Mm -hmm. and the things that she learned and did and saw, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so You don't get that in a classroom setting. No, we did not. And you know, the peer interactions too, like now at her little hybrid school, her social interactions are so rich. It's, it's not like, oh, I'm put in this classroom with these people, but oh, I have to sit still and I can't talk and we can only talk in certain little, you know, segments of the day. And it's not like that. I mean, it's, I feel like she's just learning to be a person and not like a puppet that told mm. to when to talk, when to test, when to do all of those things. So it's been, it's been, again, such a learning experience. Cause like, I love school. My husband loves school. I was a big nerd, <laughs> just loved everything about it. So it's killing me a little bit that she could care less about academic pursuits and achievements. Uh, but it, I think that's what I need in my life. Um, yeah. You know? 
man, you're making me want to <laughs> look into it. <laughs> right. And, oh, well, and for, go this route. So many books. So I first, like the thing that actually got me to jump like into this was there's a, a woman on Instagram, actually, her name's Kalina, but she has an account called the five hour school week. And it's actually a book as well. And that's what I started with. And then I started with this book called courage to grow by the Acton Academy founders who are actually in Austin, Texas. And I read those two books and I was like, how could we choose anything else? Like this is, this is what we have to do. This is what we were meant to do. And it's not been easy. I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> like day to day, every day looks different, but yeah, but it's, yeah, it's been pretty incredible. I wonder if that's why kids end up, some, some kids end up just not liking school and not attending oh, because yeah. it's not like it's real not life it. for them. No, it has so much. It's oh, all, go ahead. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, if you like, if you learn a different way. So my daughter had to take a, this little quiz for um, learning her love language and then learning her how she learns so she's an auditory learner and her love language is words of affirmation and knowing those two things uh, are just huge and like yes. she says stuff all the time like you know practice makes progress and like she always corrects me if I'm having a fixed mindset and just the things that she says that she's learning about being human and and she's so curious to learn. I mean, that that's the thing is in school, you know, it's tested right out of you. I feel like you just- I was just yeah. gonna say that, that I'm sure, um, you know, you, were, you really wouldn't find that out about your kid if you go to regular school mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever school system you wanna do versus to where, um, you know, she's taking a test where she can figure out what's best for her. And I'm sure that enhances her creativity and just, Completely. it sounds so awesome. Yeah. Cause I used to get anxiety going to school. Oh man, I hated yeah. it, so. Completely, I mean, think about it and just, I don't know. And, and that's the, env the environment that she's in an act and it's a smaller, you know, smaller group of kids too, but no bullying so positive everybody loves each other like she literally gets up she hates when the weekends come around because she wants to go so badly and just be in that environment it's actually the only wow. we stayed in nashville is because of this program um, i'm moving to nashville yeah all over um if anybody is interested it's acton academy is is the name of it and they're nationwide okay. so oh and internationally as well but they have well, them all over hopefully they're yeah. in tulsa then. and thanks for sharing your experience because we yeah. actually haven't had any topics on like homeschooling or kind of doing the route you're going well it, maybe we have you on <laughs> we, we should have you on a second time to to talk more about homeschooling <laughs> and the pros and cons and all yeah. that but it's, it's so fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, let's dive in more into your book because we're so excited to talk about this. So most thrillers do not have a protagonist who's a single mother with a disability. This is actually the first, and I read a lot of thrillers, and this is the first time I've ever come across something like this. So to be a new mom who is a widow and just lost her mom herself, Bex totally on her own, not to mention she's blind. So being a mom who has support and has a partner around is difficult <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. but I can't imagine being in Bex's shoes. So why did you highlight the disability of a mom in this way? Yeah. So again, I read a lot of thrillers as well. And I mean, I kind of straddle the line between women's fiction and domestic suspense. And sometimes I'm thrown into that thriller category. But as I was reading, it's like, I don't ever see characters in this genre with disabilities. And I feel like 
and, and I, I, I use that word loosely because I, I don't think a lot of the things we think are disabilities actually are, but you know, we need to see everyone kind of represented in our stories. Mm -hmm. And with this story in particular, you know, it was, <laughs> it was inspired by this reoccurring nightmare that I kept having where I would hear a baby cry, hear a baby cry and walk into a nursery and pick up this baby and realize that it wasn't my child. And I kept having it so much that I brought it up to my editor and she, you know, she and I kind of went back and forth and we we're like, man, that would never work. Like if you have your sight, you would instantly be able to know that that baby wasn't yours. And then I like in the back of my mind, just kept thinking about this vision impaired character. And I, I've always, I have terrible eyes. I've always been afraid of losing my sight. So it's something that just kind of intrigues me anyway. So I thought like, I'm going to write, <laughs> I'm going to write this vision impaired character. And then when I sit, sat down to write after I'd done my research, it was, I was paralyzed. Cause I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. As a writer, you, you rely on your eyes to, <laughs> to create these worlds for your readers. So I kind of panicked and was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, so it was, it made me stretch as a, as a writer and writing, from a place and from a character's experience that I, that I have no experience from, but, um, but it was, it was such a wonderful, challenging experience. And I really hope more writers kind of like dive into these different types of characters that we've never seen before. Cause I think, I think we need more people represented on the page. hundred percent. We think that you did amazing. Cause I mean, at one point I even asked Megan, I was like, is she like partially blind or is she blind to author? You know, you, <laughs> because I mean, it was so believable and it was just like, I mean, it, you just, you did an awesome job. Thank you. Um, I really I'm doing that. And uh, to piggy bank off of that question, the way you tell that experience through piggy bank, Oh, what did I say? <laughs> piggy, I you you said piggy bank, but I'm like, yeah, cha-ching. <laughs> to piggyback, sorry, on that last question. I love it. That's going to be I say piggyback a lot. <laughs> oh, God, that was awesome. The way, the way you tell that experience to Rebecca, uh, Becca, uh, is world is amazing. So we both got flashbacks of our own experience mm. um, through postpartum. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask, so what did you find yourself adding some of your own like new mother fears to that to her to Beck's experience in the story yeah so I mean I love like that's kind of my MO as a writer I like writing about things that scare the shit out of moms and <laughs> I think I'm working out a lot of my fears uh through my characters and you know when I had my child I well first of all being completely honest when I met my husband of now 10 years I told him like hey really like you, but I don't ever want children. And if you want kids, then I want you to have that experience, but it's not in my cards, you know? And he was like, no, I, I choose you. And then literally the one time we weren't careful, like 10 days past ovulation, I still somehow miraculously end up pregnant. And which I always say, like, she totally chose us and yeah. the most amazing thing that could have happened. But we were both living in Chicago at the time and did not have family there. And I had a 52 hour labor with her, which is Ooh. why we have an only child. <laughs> and Insane. you know, like my mom came in for a little bit and stayed for a few days, but then my husband had to go back to work and I was with her every day on my own, but it was actually like in hindsight, that was the easiest time. Um, 
for me with her because it was just, I don't know, she was a pretty easy baby. I ended up, you know, nursing her for three years, but but it was also a little bit lonely. Like I had another girlfriend who had also had a, a child and they were 10 days apart. So we really leaned oh, nice. on each other. But in the yeah. city, you know, some people, I was 30 when I had my daughter, but a lot of people wait or didn't have mm-hmm. kids yet. So it kind of thrust me into this like category of you're one of the only people of your friend group that has a baby. And, <laughs> um, you know, of course I used to think about worst case scenarios kidnapping has always oh, been yeah. a huge one and you know that was what my first book was about not her daughter it's about a five-year-old who gets kidnapped from her abusive mother um mm. in order to save this little girl and then i had like a little kidnapping scare with my own daughter like right after i wrote that and i, I was like i brought this on myself i've invited <laughs> this into my oh, world no. um so yeah i always like to kind of play out these worst case scenarios in my writing though with Rebecca, I mean, I cannot imagine having everything ripped away, mm. living for this child and, and really that's what you're living for. And then that child, you know, is supposedly swapped and is gone and another baby is in its place. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, for a couple of points on what you just said. First of all, nursing for three years, that's amazing because I did it for 12 months and then 14 months. And I, it, it was hard. It was hard. My daughter would not like, so I couldn't pump. My body just did not respond to pumping. So she never got a bottle. My husband could never feed her and she was a cluster feeder. So I was Mm. not away from my daughter for more than two hours for the first three years, which is the worst idea anyone's ever had. (laughs) You don't mind me asking, were you also working during that time? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was um, actually the moment, I can't remember exactly when my book, I had a nonfiction book that came out called Power Vegan. And my daughter, I think she had just turned one and we were moving from Chicago like a couple days before it launched. And I had to come back and do like radio and TV and, and all this stuff um, with her in tow, which was crazy. Um, wow. So yeah, it was just, it was bananas. Wow. And and I kind of also want to touch on the subject of you saying how like paranoid you are. I mean, yes. for me, I didn't understand that. I mean, I've always been a person with anxiety, but like if you're not familiar with what postpartum can do to you, mm. uh, I was a hot mess. I remember calling my husband, uh, I did an errand with the kids. I have two boys and, uh, I, I don't know how old my kid was maybe three months at the time, my youngest and a two-year-old. And I remember just calling my husband and being like, I think someone's trying to see if I get out to like grab the kids. And uh. he's like, what, you know, and I'm just like, and it feels so real and it feels like you're crazy yeah. and nobody believes you. And it's yeah. just like, to them, you probably sound so stupid, but those feelings are insane. So they really are. It's it's crazy. Living in Houston too. I mean, there's it's crime like everywhere oh, you turn yeah. and look because it's such a big city and so yeah. many people. But it, going back to what you were saying of how you constantly are thinking like the worst and whatnot. I mean, I 
I read a lot of thrillers. I love true crime. I listen to the podcast. I watch the TV shows. I read the books and everything. And probably that's what's always like triggering you. Right. But I just, I can't help it. And then I do, I, I think the worst and I'm just, I feel like it's kind of a good thing because then, okay, my guard's up and I'm aware of my surroundings, but then also it's a bad thing. Cause then, yeah, you do get, you're, and then you're not living, you're, you're not really enjoying yeah. I mean, I was, a fr- I, it got to a point where I was like, I didn't want to go out. Yeah. I, I kept telling my husband, he's like, I can tell you're changing because all the curtains are down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's legit. I mean, that's actually yeah. why we ended up, we moved from Chicago to Nashville when my daughter was one and crime had just gotten out of control in Chicago. It was, you know, I was home alone every day and would go out and walk and we lived in a in what's called River West. So there weren't like a, a ton of great walkable places, but mm. you know, the kidnapping thing, mm. again, I think it's every parent's worst fear. And yeah, that used to kind of plague me. But honestly, as I was writing about it, it was somewhat cathartic in a weird way. Like I too have always been crazy interested in true crime and postpartum psychosis. Mm. Actually, I, I really studied a lot about that and was convinced like, I'm going to have it I'm gonna, this is, <laughs> this is gonna happen to me. Um, but it, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of therapeutic in a weird way. Can you, or if you don't want to talk about it, totally fine, just tell me. No, oh, I'll talk about on. it. <laughs> okay. I really, I'm interested to know more about this kidnapping thing yeah. with your daughter. Yeah. So I, know, it, I wanted it, to ask totally, you. Totally mellow, but like, so I just written this book and this little girl like goes missing in the woods of her backyard. And my daughter was in kindergarten at the time, I believe. And I'd just taken a yoga class on the other side of town. And I got a call. It was 1.30 in the afternoon. So she'd been dropped off at school at 8 a.m. And at the time, she went to like a 400-person school. We weren't allowed to walk her in. She was just dropped off at the front door and had to somehow miraculously make it to her classroom. <laughs> and so I get a call at 1.30 in the afternoon saying like, hey, Sophie never showed up today. And what? she had been dropped off at 8 a.m. And I mean, my mind immediately was like, oh my God, she's gone. You know, someone's had all of these hours throughout the whole day to take her. And I mean, I was just shaking uncontrollably and called my husband and I couldn't get anybody at the school. So we went to the school and and it ended up being a big mix up. I mean, she was fine. (laughs) Like the teacher, she had been crouched down or something. The teacher hadn't seen her, marked her absent. And then <sighs> they called to tell me, but then like a month after that, we were in target and like our child isn't one that just runs off or, or goes, you know, goes away. But she was in the toy aisle. <laughs> my husband and I were one aisle over and we kept talking to each other. And then all of a sudden she was just silent and we looked and she was gone. I mean, just a hundred percent gone. Mm-hmm. And we both started panicking uh-huh. and, it was a full 10 minutes of searching that store. They shut the, they locked the doors. They started reviewing. I mean, the security was amazing. If your kid ever gets lost in Target, like <laughs> amazing. But <laughs> you know. we, cannot, we cannot find her. And again, it was just that split second moment of like, this is it. Like this is that worst case scenario that everyone talks about. And she was actually by the front doors and was going to go outside. And ironically, there had been several people kidnapped outside of our target, like shoved into white vans and taken oh my away. God. So 
So I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, we're going to go live in a bubble somewhere. Like, <laughs> right. we've got to go. What, uh, um, how old was she at the time? She was about the same. She was like five or six. I wonder six. what possessed her to go to the front she, of the store. Yeah, she was just like, I didn't know where you were. And I was like, yeah, you did. I mean, I scared her. I probably scared her to death, but we've had so many conversations and my husband does jujitsu. I was a competitive boxer. She knows how to defend herself. Nice. We've probably had too many like stranger danger <laughs> conversations, but oh, man. You know, we joke like she's so loud and stubborn that if anyone ever tried to snatch her, they'd probably be like, you know what? Here you go. Like, she, this is too much. This is too much work. Like, <laughs> she's just because she's so, she's just a handful. She is a total spirited handful. And Love it. Right. That's awesome. Sounds like my kids. That's the shipping. <laughs> they'd be like, hell no, here you go. They're, yeah, they're you go. back. That's like, the thing. <laughs> seriously, that's the shit they don't like tell you about. Like, yeah. the heart attacks your kids will give you. I mean, oh. my sister at one point, um, her daughter was in daycare and they dropped her off at the wrong school and by the universe's, <laughs> the universe's luck, um, somebody from her church was like, Hey, does Jada go to school here? And she's like, oh no. Oh my God. And her daycare dropped her off. And she was like a kindergartner. Wow. So luckily that person was like her angel that day, <laughs> but, um, Do stuff like that. Well, and I think it's just for me as a parent and any parent, it's the not knowing mm, yes. the child is to go that gap of time. That is what what it's about it's not the result and you know when I was doing research for my first book it's the statistics are grim I mean if your kid is not recovered in the first few hours they're probably most likely not you know coming back unfortunately but yeah um but yeah I think it's just the not the not knowing that it is everyone's kind of doing. Terrifying. This is a positive conversation right <laughs> here how about we go ahead and switch back to your book and and let's talk about that right <laughs> Uh, so we loved that in your book, you gave the mothers different parenting views and emotions along with obviously babies all behave different, differently. So it was very relatable to, you know, real life. So why did you think that this was important for you to give these different approaches? I mean, I think because there isn't, you know, a one size fits all approach for moms. And, you know, I, I also wanted to kind of have a commentary in this book about, because so Rebecca, you know, Rebecca is the mom to this three-month-old little boy she her friends don't really hold him that much she's you know kind of keeps him in a stroller close to her but you know when this child supposedly goes missing or is swapped a lot of people are like oh well her friends would immediately know like if it was her baby or not and i, I wanted to kind of make a commentary about how we're all so distracted and mm. as moms as people as business owners our heads are often in our phones we don't pay attention <laughs> as much as we used to and i think you know it would be easy to to kind of miss something or i mean i don't know i, I just wanted to like kind of talk about the time that we live in and and how we are distracted and um in terms of mothering too. I think there's so many different styles. I think it's so easy to, you know, think that you should mother one way or raise your kid this way or, or whatever. And I, I just, I think you have to figure out what works for your family, for your child, for yourself. And I don't know, as moms, I just think we all need to be a little bit gentler with ourselves mm -hmm. because no one's doing it right, you know, 100% of the time or even 
half the time. So um, I think it's important just in my writing, like to, to illustrate or demonstrate just all the different types of parenting out there. Oh yeah, we loved it. Um, another thing that you highlighted in your book, which I really appreciated was uh, the tight knit community. And yeah. so I don't think that many of us really get to understand the importance of that until we actually become moms when we're like, okay, where did all my friends go? Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> or even like making new friends. Yeah. And that's yeah. another freaking uh, hard thing to do as well. Yeah. So um, it's like dating moms. I mean, it really is. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten to the point where during my postpartum times, I'm like, does anyone else feel this crazy? And I even yeah. downloaded the, the, there's like an app for meeting moms, which I never fully went through because I, I think the pandemic happened, but like, I mean, you, you get desperate for a community and you want that. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to ask you as a new mom, did you find, you know, a hard time finding your support system? You know, so when we were in Chicago, it, it was a little lonely. I mean, I had, you know, the, my one girlfriend that was like my saving grace, but she was really the only one I saw on a regular basis. And when we moved to Nashville, so my family's here, um, I found my little network of moms. We, there were like five, five moms, five or six moms where, I mean, we were in the trenches together and, you know, park meetups and just being exhausted together and, and having that network. And I, I, I literally could not have survived that time without it. And, you know, that was several years ago. And actually as our, my daughter's grown and gotten more independent, everybody's so busy, that band of mothers is kind of like, we've all kind of gone our separate ways. A lot of people have moved further out or moved away. And I really mourn that time because it was so special and you know this year's just been a shit show all the way around <laughs> <For> everybody <laughs> but it's been really lonely this year i mean mm -hmm. yes we're connected digitally but like that's never <laughs> felt really fulfilling to me i mean i'm super excited to meet people but i'm a very like one-on-one -on -one, deep relationship type person i've never yes. really thrived in like you know, going to parties and like, you know, tons of just acquaintances. Like mm -hmm. I like my relationships to be like deep and worthwhile. And, yeah. um, that's definitely like this year has been a challenge. I feel like for everyone. So if I had small kids this year too, and you don't, you can't like meet up as much or even finding like that one friend who's going through kind of the same thing as you at the same time, I think that's critical to have somewhat of a support system and just going out and like finding it. I mean, I used to go up to moms like, Hey, do you want to be my friend? Like, I have a kid and I'm going to go crazy. Like, please, please be my friend. And I, I kind of took cues from my daughter. I mean, that's how easy kids make friends. Like, yeah. Hey, I blow bubbles. Like seriously, <laughs> you have a kid. I have a kid. Let's be friends. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you're saying all this though. I, and I'm not just saying this because she's sitting right next to me, but Celeste has been that person in my life because we were pregnant around the same time and we each have two boys and we each have gone through our own experiences with postpartum anxiety, depression, blues, whatever you want to call it. And she's just, and I'm, I just will text her out of the blue and be like, what the fuck? Like, this is what I'm feeling. And right. oh my God, my husband's driving me nuts and this and Skip that. My the good kids, morning. And, yeah. Yes. So, and that's actually a big reason why we started this podcast is to really 
you know, bring awareness to these important topics like this and to let mothers, especially and fathers, but more so moms to know that, Hey, you are not alone in this. Like we are here for you, even though it's, you know, we're not physically there for you and you can't talk back to us, but at least we've had this community that you can feel connected. Listen. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's so, so important. I think it's incredible that you've done that and that you have each other. Yeah, for sure. And I'm super bummed that we're moving, but, um, obviously, you know, it's great that we have technology cause Absolutely. I'm going to be hitting her up all the time and, and we'll have an excuse. Your kids, you're, so you're, they're younger, right? Yeah. Mine are, uh, Adrian's. Yeah. Wow. Gonna He's going to be four October 6th. Yeah. yeah. And then Briggs is two and a half. Oh my God. Yeah. And then we're in it. You're in it. Right. We are deep in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a two and a half year old and a almost 10 month old now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. little, little. I, mean, I know everyone's like, enjoy it. But let me tell you, it's all downhill. Like after yeah. the age of five, I was like, it's going to get better. Like every year it's going to get better and better and better. And no, it's not actually the, the, the case. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's just different. It, it yeah. gets difference like my daughter is messier now than she was as a toddler oh and god don't tell me that so i'm like just, my i love that though there, there's like new challenges i mean obviously parenthood never gets super yeah. easy or you know <laughs> quote unquote better but I, I just think that we're all growing and learning together keeps yeah. it interesting i guess right <laughs> i do love my i'm sitting here like talking shit about my child but like i love her she's the best oh yeah of course it's, yeah you know it's been a challenge God, a challenging year for everybody. Yep. I mean, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, it's been nuts. <laughs> uh, I want, but I, I didn't include this in the questions, but I really need to bring this up. So there's this thing on Bookstagram, which for people out there listening, if you don't know, Bookstagram is a dedicated Instagram account, just highlighting a bunch of books, like your love for books. So there's this thing that goes around Instagram. There's a bunch of challenge, photo challenges that you can participate in. One of them is called the... I think it's five finger stack and like the thumb is representative of a book that you really love. The pointer finger is, uh, I can't remember what that one is, but, and then the middle finger is the one, a book that you really couldn't stand. Oh, this book. Yeah. The ring finger is one that a character you'd like to marry. And then the pinky is one that you promise to a book that you will read in the future. So I did this a few months ago and I think I'm going to have to update my stack because you introduced, <laughs> you introduced Jake, the character, which is Beck's ex-boyfriend. And I am in love with him. He uh, has tattoos. Right? He's, he's, he he's a sounds... cop. He's a detective. And I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds so dreamy. My... Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I want to sniff him through this book. Yeah. Yeah. Where did he come from? What was your inspiration? You know, it's so funny because in the first draft of this book, I always kind of, you know, well, first of all, I'm never, I never write anything from my life and my books. I mean, of course I can draw on experiences as a mom or, or feelings, but I don't use people from my life. I don't, I, I, these characters literally take on a life of their own. And for some strange reason, I just, from the beginning saw, you know, Rebecca Gray and Jake Donovan and these, like these two people. And I saw their whole relationship, but I do think like as, as women sometimes in, in our lives, you know, you've had that like bad boy kind of the one that got away experience <laughs> the person you were just like so passionate 
with where it was almost like this chemical reaction, but then, you know, you marry the person who's a little bit, a little bit more stable, like more your friend and maybe isn't that like passionate, um, on that level. And I just, I don't know, he kind of materialized, but in the first draft of this book, he was a total villain and the book was completely different. It was more traditional thriller and pretty dark. And I remember my editor sending it back to me and she was like, yeah, cool. Like this hits all the thriller marks. Now I want you to trash this book and start <laughs> over because I want you to be better. So I panicked <laughs> and was like, what? Um, and you know had to start again so so he became some he, he actually became like a lesser presence in the book but yeah i was always you know kind of secretly smitten with him uh just even writing uh yeah well <laughs> i think um, we all were because oh, it, it drew God. me into like what, what's happening with him like yeah. i want them to like be a happy family yeah. blah, 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 you know so exactly. it definitely kept me interested and, and i'm new to thrillers as um, I don't know if you know, but Megan's the one that's always like, you got to get on this book and, you know, all this stuff. So I really enjoyed your book. And I love that they had that love interest and, and that Thank they reconnected that. To throw that in there from time to time. <laughs> um, so I know we've been talking a lot of non-book related topics anyway, but we have a couple of questions for you. So the first being clearly throughout this conversation, we've learned that you are a total badass and you're a total, total badass mother um, and obviously a go-getter. So how do you overcome your doubts and challenges that come your way when it comes to you being a mother as well as a woman chasing her jeans? Je jeans, dreams. I like that, chasing my jeans. <laughs> I mean, that, that's such a great question because, I, you know, I recently, it's funny, I. I constantly struggle with the comparison game or feeling like, you know, oh, you know, no, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. And then, yeah, you hop on social media and it's like, oh my God, I'm the worst. Everyone's doing it better. Mm -hmm. uh, so in my life, I've really had to focus on what really is important and the relationships that are important and kind of drowning out the noise and distractions and really just, I guess, I mean, as cliche as it is, just like believing in myself and in terms of, of going for your dreams or being a mom or, or any of those things. I mean, I don't know. It's like, this is, this is my one wild and precious life and I'm not going to do it all right. Um, my daughter reminds me that every single day that <laughs> I'm a work in progress. She's a work in progress. But I don't know, I think that we've just got to focus on our story and what it is we really want and kind of block out the distractions and just go for it. I mean, you know, there's a quote that I read forever ago, but like nothing good ever comes from a comfort zone. Mm. And I think it's so easy to stay safe in our little bubble. And, yeah. You know, I've always wanted to own my own business, but I have always worked for other people, never nine to five, but like just in the background in, in the writing world and, and being an editorial manager, director or whatever, I've always been behind the scenes. And it wasn't until January that I was like, fuck this, I am going to build a business and I'm going to build a successful one. And my husband like quit his comfy W2 job 
Mm -hmm. uh, with benefits and a great mm -hmm. salary to come be the creative director of our company right way. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, we've ruined our lives. Like what if, <laughs> what if we do? But then again, I, I just kind of cast that doubt aside, really focused on the value that we bring to our customers that we know our shit and that success doesn't have to look like a seven figure business. It can look like whatever we want it to look like. So we just kind of, we stayed focused and, and really went for it. And I mean, some days I'm like, Oh God, like we're doing this. Like this is, this is actually working and we're helping people and people are landing book deals and agents. And I just get such a sense of pride and, and happiness and joy when I can help a client or empower an author to make their own informed decisions about their career. It's, I'm just as passionate about that as, as writing myself. Um, and I think I got way off topic of what you asked. No, no this is great. <laughs> I'm soaking all this up because for so long, I mean, I've been in corporate for ever since I graduated college, which was like several, several years ago. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I love that you guys just were like, you know what, screw it, let's do it, jump in. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, pandemic hit and you're like, oh my God, what did we do? But then it's just like you, you just said, you stay focused and you have to, because I mean, what else are you going to do at that point? So that's awesome that you both just did that stepped out of your comfort zone. That's something that I continue to tell my husband to do all the time is like, just step out of your comfort zone. Just take that risk. Worst case scenario, fall back into corporate, well, you know? Yeah. And I think what you said is so important. Like we actually kind of ran through that worst case scenario. So like, let's, let's just talk about the worst case scenario. We don't make any money. We're this, we're that, you know, if you start to actually plan and prep for this is actually the worst thing that could happen. And then you come up with a solution for it ahead mm -hmm. of time when you're not in it, it makes it all not that big of a deal. And yeah, less scary. Yeah. Less scary. And then you learn, I mean, I don't know. I'm such a huge advocate for change for moving locations. I mean, we've yes. moved 13 times, you know, in the 10 years that we've been together, but just, yeah, changing your location, changing your mind, changing your views, learning something new. I just, I think it's so, so important, um, especially now when we've had to be relatively stationary this year, I've actually had more good come from it from, you know, creating new practices, dissecting my marriage, looking at my mm -hmm. relationships and friendships that I actually needed to let go, like mm -hmm. how to evolve, where we want to live. And it's nice to sometimes be still and just figure your shit out in the real world, you know, when things are moving so fast. Yeah. It's, I, I always like saying this, but it's that growth mindset mm -hmm. um, and for something that you, um, that you said that kind of, you know, resonated with me was that um, sometimes to stay focused, you have to disconnect. And I feel like just the world that we're living in, you know, we're constantly like, okay, well, in order to stay connected, I have to be on my phone and, you know, but oh, then God. we find ourselves going into this deep hole of just like, why do they have their shit together? And then it's just like this mental fuck, but sometimes you just got to get off and literally be present and dedicate that time. Like you're saying, just to reconnect with everything that you have in front of you. And so uh, that's really good advice. And I like that. Thank you. And it's so amazing too, because we, I think, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be connected and to stay connected, but 
we were not ever meant to be social, like on this huge mega plane mm. that we are today. It's so much responsibility. And I think so many of us need to look at who's in our real life. Like when I'm on my phone or responding to comments or Instagram or whatever, and then I realize that my daughter, you know, has been saying something to me for two minutes and I'm choosing this digital world over being present with my child, which I can never get back. Like it's, I think we're just all kind of running on autopilot and it's so nice to stop sometimes and just get reacquainted with your real life and not your digital one. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's something I struggle with. Yeah. I'm always on my phone yeah. with between work, between Instagram, what? bookstagram, yeah. like all that stuff. So it's, it's definitely a challenge, but I, I'm, aware of it. And I've been finding myself like, as soon as Adrian or Briggs says something, I'm like, okay, I put my phone down and I just look at them and I go over to them and I'm trying my best to start doing that more. Yeah. I think that's what matters most is that you're aware of it <laughs> and that, you know, when to just, all right, that's enough. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm big with like, Hey, I'm getting off social media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I'll just get off. <laughs> so, I mean, I am going to find a way to, it's going to be the new trend. <laughs> Let's do it. Figure out how to like scale a business and still be an author and not have any social media. I mean, you know, podcast, I love the podcast. I love email marketing. Actually, I still think that's so important and word of mouth. But again, we forget that we used to do this all the time and quite successfully without everyone fighting for so much space and attention. And yeah, that's, that's it. It is. There's an amazing author named Cal Newport who's written um, Deep Work and Digital Minimalism, which I think everybody should read. But he's a New York Times bestselling author. He is not on social media. He actually doesn't even have an email address for the public. And he does <laughs> deep work of like, I have four email accounts, <laughs> literally four. I'll be reading that book. Yeah. Sounds like something that's up my alley. Changing. I mean, and I, I think that's the thing. We think with that we can't, like that we're, and again, it's going back to that worst case scenario. Okay, let's, let's play this through. Let's, what would you use that time? Like the average person spends four hours a day on their phone, which means we've gotten exceptionally good at scrolling on our phone. And if you spend four hours learning a language, working with your kid, mm. meditating, whatever it is, I mean, there's so much more that we could be doing that we don't even realize we're filling with scrolling and consuming and it's i don't know it's just never felt comfortable to me i only got on instagram two years ago when my first book came out and i'm so grateful for the community but like i'm also on facebook and twitter and i'm like why like yeah. i i mean just no like yeah. so i'm actually deleting both i am deleting both of those and then i'm gonna try to figure out how to take the next step i'm doing it in increments but i'm gonna figure this shit out good for you i like that thank you that is awesome uh one other book related or non-book related question and then we want to dive into some just fun questions and then we can uh wrap this up because i know we've been talking for quite a while which we really appreciate um what are some behind the scenes struggles of writing and publishing a book that many readers and maybe even authors don't know Oh God, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, okay, so I feel like so many writers 
just want to be published and mm -hmm. they think like once you're published it's just kind of you know somewhat smooth sailing and it i say it all the time i've said this a million times but this is a business and your book is a product to sell and the writing is actually i feel like the least of it like now you do have to be your own social media guru mm -hmm. your own marketing expert you have to know how to sell and I think if you don't know that coming in, and that's what I work with clients in my business to really prepare them for being traditionally published, it can be very overwhelming and a little disheartening to realize that writers don't get to just write anymore. Um, again, I was totally born in the wrong, in the wrong era. <laughs> I wish that we could do that. But I think if you go into it knowing this is a business. There are going to be certain expectations and that the anxiety just never really goes away. Every author, whether they're New York Times bestselling author or debut author, constantly live with this like low grade anxiety of, okay, my book's coming out. Like now, is it going to sell? And it's so hard not to focus on the result or outcome and really constantly return to the journey. And I think that's just a reminder with real life too, is, mm -hmm. is we are so results driven mm -hmm. um, that if you're not in it because you love to write and you do enjoy the journey, it's, it's going to be maybe short lived <laughs> because it's, it's, it's a tough industry. I mean, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of, you know, up and down and you can't, there's so much that's out of your control mm -hmm. as an author. You know, you can do everything right. You can have the, the right team in place. You can spend tens of thousands of dollars on a publicist and a book still might not hit. So yeah. I think just, just knowing, learning, asking people questions and just digging into the industry. So you come to it fully prepared. Absolutely. And I remember actually just a couple of days ago, you said that on, uh, speaking of social media on, on one of your posts that you put up on your Instagram about being more focused on the journey and less focused on the results and the outcome. Yeah. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> but also to play into that, I mean, being on bookstagram you know, regularly. And it w I'm always reading people's reviews. I write reviews, mini reviews. And of course it's all based on my opinion and what I think of the book. Um, but then there are some out there where it's like, they just really bash it. And I'm like, ah, and, and that's why I hate when I do read a book. And if I really didn't enjoy it, I'm like, Oh God, do I still put this out there? But then right. again, like, okay, there is a way to go about saying that you yeah. didn't enjoy it without being positive a, criticism. A dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, I actually was joking that like as authors, we should compile a book of all of our worst reviews because there's always this like personal attack with like the worst or the nastiest reviews where they're taking it personally. But I learned very early on, like once a book is released into the world, it really is no longer yours and you have no say so. Yeah. about how someone receives it and once you free yourself of that and know like hey no one's going to universe uh, no one's going to universally love this book or mm -hmm. universally hate it it it's really freeing because you can't you just cannot control the narrative of mm -hmm. what people think of your book and i feel just lucky that anyone would take time to read post review or share it so um it's, it's pretty cool not to like get super emotional about that part. Yeah, I bet. I bet. 
That's great. So um, if you have time, we would like yeah. to ask some fun questions. Megan and I just always like to end with something fun and wrap it up. But um, one of our questions that we love asking is, what are some of your biggest mom fills? Because ah. I know you're like, which one out of the many? You, you didn't even say. You didn't even say what was one. You just went into the sum, like you assumed. <laughs> well, because there's plenty, and it's just like whatever one sticks out. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mom fail every day. I mean, oh, yeah. quarantine. I told my daughter that I quit parenting. I was yeah. like, I quit. I quit parenting. Um, and she packed up a bag and like, I'm moving out. And she literally packed her little bag and went out to her tree house in the back and like, just stayed there for the long time. One of the stories that she still brings up to this day, I think she was like three or four and we'd gone to my mother's house and we did this every year. We used to do this gingerbread house decorating party with her little friends. And that year they did like these giant gingerbread men. And on the way home, she was being a real asshole. And I kept saying, like, I had this beautifully decorated gingerbread man that she created. And I was like, Sophie, if you do not stop, I am going to throw him out the window. And she just kept on and on. And I actually rolled the window down, extended <laughs> my arm out and let him go. And I mean, she like demanded that we stop the car and wanted to go back and get him because she thought he was like a real gingerbread man. And I remember feeling so terrible, but I told my friends that who'd been at the party and they thought it was like the greatest thing ever that I actually destroyed <laughs> gingerbread man. But she still brings it up to this day. Oh, she was oh, scarred. Yeah. She's scarred for life. Scarred <laughs> oh, for life. Yeah. Oh, That's, That's great. Awesome. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. Oh, um, what has been the funniest things that your daughter's done and how old was she when she, when it happened? Well, ironically, this goes so in line with this, uh, conversation. You were just talking about growth mindset and we talked about it early on. So in Acton Academy, that's what they learn this growth mindset. And not too long ago, I had my business partner and my podcast partner in town in Nashville and he and Sophie were at this playground and she asked him to go across the monkey bars with her. And he was like, oh, so, you know, like I'm 40. I don't think I can get across these monkey bars. And my then seven-year-old daughter slapped this 40-year-old man on the ass and was like, come on, Joe, you can do it. Don't have a fixed mindset. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, well, there it is. There's her education and training. Awesome. Like, I don't know about slapping him on the butt, but you know, whatever. <laughs> She's going to be great. She's going to do great things. <laughs> She's going to be just fine. But it was such a wonderful moment oh. that I won't ever forget. It was, it was fantastic. That's awesome. I love that. Before we uh, go on, I actually wanted to ask this earlier um, because I, I've read this book. Uh, gosh, I'm not even going to think of it now, but it's by Carol. It talks about the growth and the fixed oh, mindset yeah, anyway. Um, Carol Dwecker. Dwick or um, the, yes, I have that book and I'm oh. like completely blanking on the name. Yeah, I can't, it's something mindset. Uh, anyway, uh, so can you just really quickly define what growth mindset is and fixed mindset just for our, our listeners? Yeah, I mean, fixed mindset, it's, I'm like the worst at, at defining this, but fixed mindset is, I think what most of us kind of grew up with, like where we just base our intelligence even it's almost like this perfectionist principle like okay i got an a therefore i don't need to learn anything else like i succeeded therefore i can go on and the whole 
the whole like process behind it or the, the thinking behind it is that if you grow up with this fixed mindset and like you're constantly rewarded for, you know, getting straight A's or whatever, that you will actually be less willing to try new things because you were so fixed and so stuck in kind of this black or white mentality, I really feel like. And I feel like the growth mindset is where you are really open to growing, learning, failing, struggling, mm. you continue to stay curious. And I'm so terrible about the <laughs> fixed mindset. I mean, I, I see myself in it every day where I'm, I'm, I call myself like a production whore because I just like, I like to produce, I produce, I produce, I produce. And, and I, I want that like little gold star at the, mm. at the end of it. And, you know, that's been like so cool to live with someone who's in a total growth mindset and then to have to unlearn everything with a fixed mindset. And so, I mean, if there are parents out there listening too, I would, I would look at how you judge your child's intelligence and do you dictate it by, oh, well, they got, they got good grades. So they're doing well <laughs> in life versus all the other elements that go, that go along with it. I think we get these fixed perceptions of this means you're smart. This means that you're not smart. And that is, I, I think that like, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Carol defines it a lot better than I just did. (laughs) Yeah, she really, I actually found it. I had Celeste just grab it off the bookshelf. Mm -hmm. Um, It's by Carol Dweck. She has a PhD. uh, So the book is called Mindset, the New Psychology of Success, How We Can Learn to Fulfill Our Potential. And it does, it highlights all that under parenting, business, school, relationships, the growth mindset, the fixed mindset. And when I was reading this book, I was definitely like, wow, wow. Just like blown away by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it it is is your world to, to a new way of thinking, you know, I love that. Cause growing up, I always felt like almost embarrassed to ask really stupid questions. But when I accepted that there really is no stupid question, like everything was just like, like my mind was blown. Like, Oh my gosh. Like I've learned so much by getting over that fear of being like wrong and failing. And and I fail all the time, but Mm -hmm. like, I I don't think that I would have that mentality if I didn't, you know, accept that and and was okay with growing. So fixed mindset too. It's like, if you don't, think you're going to be good at something, then you're less likely to even try it. Like if you think that you're going to fail at it, you're not going to try it. And I mean, if we walked through life like that, and so many of us do, I mean, I'm like, Ooh, do I do that? Like when's the last time that I tried a new sport? I tried something that I totally suck at. I mean, (laughs) I think that's, I think it's super important to just put yourself in uncomfortable positions and, and try new things. Yep. 100%. 100%. I need, my husband needs to read this book. I or actually, he that. doesn't really read, so I'll have him. Audiobook I'll, it. Yeah. You know, I can give it to you. I actually have it on, on Audible if you've got it. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, nice. That's awesome. Uh, that'd be great. Thank you. And we'll go ahead and end with our last question for you. Um, again, thank you so much for spending your time and, and morning with us. Um, but last question we we're wanting to know is, are you working on another book right now? Or are you just focusing on your business? Or... Um, no, I, I, so my fourth book, the edits are due, they were actually due at the end of this month. Um, but I had my, you know, book launch August was crazy. And I actually, this is not like me because I love to meet deadlines, but I asked my editor like, Hey, my brain's just not in this right now. Can we extend my deadline? So 
my deadlines in November. That book actually will not come out though until the winter of 2022. So I'll have 2021 to just kind of focus on my business and be mm. a little bit. It's, um, I've had a book come out, uh, just a book a year since 2018. So it's been a fast and furious ride and I'm actually looking forward to just a little bit of breathing room, quite honestly. That's awesome. See, um, there you go. Setting boundaries. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Right. Well, we're very excited. <laughs> I know. You. Keep us in mind if you want us to, you know, look at the early, oh, early I copy. Will. Yes. I'm really excited about this <laughs> one. It's called Secrets of Black House. And, um, it's, it's a slightly different book for me, but I'm, it's probably the one I'm most excited about. So, Ooh, and it's a thriller, I'm assuming, or like it's, a suspense. It's, yeah. It's kind of like, again, straddles that line between like nice. suspense and in women's fiction. Nice. Can't wait. You have, you have fans in yeah. us. So. Thank you. I so appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. It's a great podcast. Rhea Fry, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for letting us use your Zoom since our audio crapped out in the beginning. <laughs> no worries. Um, before we go, though, how can people find you? Yeah. Not on Twitter. Yes. And not on Facebook. <laughs> off of both of those, I still am on Instagram. It's just at my name, R-E-A-F-R-E-Y, Rhea Fry. And then people can either go to reafry.com or rightwayco.com. And that's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. Uh, all the business stuff is there, ways to reach us, newsletter, um, really trying to build up that email subscriber list. And then information about our podcast, our weekly podcast is also there as well. Thank awesome. You. And make sure you follow her, even if you're not a reader, because um, she posts amazing, empowering things as well. So yeah, she thank does. you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank well, you, Ria. Have a great day. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye.